Today's guest is called James Nakise. He's from New Zealand and I met him during the Edinburgh Festival this year where he was doing another, his latest one-man show. And James was a junior gang member in New Zealand and we chatted about gang culture. And this was another really spontaneous conversation that just left me thinking, wow, this is great. Because he talks very honestly about gang culture without glamorizing it, but without putting anybody down. He was in a gang from the age of 13 to 16. And we talk about all sorts of things, but he begins by telling me why he joined a gang and he has a perspective that I'd never even considered. This is just a fantastic conversation. You can hear a little bit of background noise because we're at the world's biggest arts festival. At one point, I mean, I was so engrossed by this conversation. At one point for about a minute, you can hear somebody scraping a shovel in the background, uh, which is slightly annoying, but hopefully it won't detract from this conversation. This is great. This is James Nakise. Hmm. And you just said yourself, you spread some cream over the cake. <laughs> yeah, mate. And Matt, are you sure you were in a gang? Is my question. I mean, it's it's a long time removed now. If I think back, it's we're coming up on. I'm I'm 37 now. Okay. So you know, in a couple of years, it'll be a quarter of a century. Wow. Um, that's that's amazing to me because there was a time I didn't think I'd live past 24. And, and, and I must stress, it's not because of the mean streets of New Zealand. Okay. I just found that was my pathway. It was like when I was a teenager, to join a gang and then you die young. And part of that's because of the culture I'd grown up in, in terms of it was New Zealand, and so most of our pop culture was coming from America. Right. And this is in the time when gangster rap, all these movies are coming out. Okay. And if you're not academically gifted, then you sort of feel you have three pathways. Uh, sports, uh, prison, or the army. Okay. Now, two of those generally involve guns. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and there were more drive-bys like happening in New Zealand back then. There was more gang violence, more gun violence, because we didn't change our gun laws until after we had a, a mass shooting in 1993 in the South Island, which ironically had nothing to do with a gang member. It was just a lone crazed gunman. Uh, unfortunately, as we um, discovered horrifically this year, we hadn't changed them uh, quite enough to yeah. tighten up laws. But yeah, it's, it's, it is funny for me. I'm, I'm here on the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm surrounded by quirky artists. I spend my evenings doing performances with clowns. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's a long, that's a long way from you know, the bloods. Well, it is, but I, I, I'd like you to take me back to before you joined the gang. I, mm. how, I'm just fascinated to know, how do you join a gang? Is there a process? I mean, yes, there's an, um, like an indoctrination process. Okay. What Definitely. does that involve? Um, it involves being useful. So you have to understand that there's two, there's two forces. One, you've got to be tough. Um, so I can take a punch. I'm, I'm wiry. I believe is the British term. Okay, yeah. Because you know, I'm, I'm a scrawny dude. And I, and I used to be, you've got to picture me 15 kgs smaller. Same height, because I've been this height since I was 13. But about 15 to 20 kgs. Was that when you joined the gang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 13 through to 16 is when we're talking. Okay. And it's, uh, I'm wiry, but I'm also double jointed and flexible. And so what I was able to do over five weekends was I broke into five different houses. And I sort of charmed my way in. 
Because right, I was like, look, man, I was, uh, you know, I can take a punch. So if we're in a fight, I can hold my own. And I had to hold my own a couple of times. And, but more importantly, uh, my dad's a minister. So you guys can say you're hanging with me. And people will think you're fine because you're hanging with the minister's son. And uh, I can break it down. Because New Zealand has Lockwood houses. Now, this is interesting for your listeners to know because you're British. And so you've grown up with um, uh, brick houses and whatnot, but the, uh, you understand cat flaps. We got cat flaps yeah. and single locks. Now that's a big difference I found between Britain and New Zealand. We have single lock houses. Okay. You guys have multiple locks. Sure. Even now, single locks. Even now, single locks. Please don't go to the New Zealand and rob us. <laughs> so I could put my arm through a cat flap. I talk about this on stage because of course in hindsight, it's ridiculous. Yes. I've said too much information, the sirens are coming. <laughs> I put my arm through the uh, cat flap and I could twist and I could dislocate my arm enough to get, um, it, it's all about being able to apply pressure to the door handle. That's what it fundamentally is, is if you can turn the door handle on a um, press lock door, then you unlock it, uh, then you unlock it from, the, um, from the inside. Wow, okay. So that's, and with these arms and this length, so I could, I could break into single lock houses by just sticking my arm through the door handle and undoing the latch and then getting it out. But you gotta make sure it's a cat flap and not a dog, a dog flap. <laughs> right. But you can't be the cat flap gangster, mate. No, absolutely you not. You can't be the cat flap gangster, it's the shittest course. gangster. But it's about being useful. So you ask me what it is. First of all, you gotta be able to take pain. All right, that's How do you demonstrate that to them? When you get your ass kicked. <laughs> it's because uh, you see on the films, you know, they will like, be, oh, get in a circle and yeah, beat somebody yeah. up to something. But you also got to remember that, like, oh, that, that's like the kind of films you're talking about. It's a hyper stylized violence. Okay. So, you know, gang members are both smarter and dumber than uh, that. In my experience, yeah, sure. Than people ever see. So, you got to be able to like take pain where it won't necessarily be seen, and ways it won't necessarily be seen. So, you know, you can't be punching me in the face. I gotta go to school, I gotta go to the church. How am I gonna explain having a shiner? So you take blows on your body and you say you've been playing rugby. You know, you um, take uh, blows on your hands. Um, you know, you put your hand down and you get it smashed up and you, you say, oh, I've just been playing, uh, we had a game called Last Card Torture, uh, which was a game that everyone saw all the kids playing. They were like, oh, you stupid bloody kids. But if you walk in with a black eye or, you know, a swollen face, uh, Sure. So you, 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 you know, the whole trick I found in my experience was to be seen, but also to not be seen. And that was the, my usefulness, was to be able to walk in both worlds, to be able to be out with the boys, but then be able to like come in and provide an alibi. You know? And if, if, we're by, if we're stopped by the police, shut the fuck up. Let James talk. He's got the slightly British accent. He knows how to talk to white people because his mum's white. Sure. Okay. So you know what I'm you know what I'm saying here. It's like it's about being the useful person, yeah. uh, right? It's got you know. Yep. You need muscle, but you need someone who can be. You know. You always see the film is always like that smooth, annoying. If it was Game of Thrones, it'd be worm tongue. You know. It's all that the wiry guy. Yeah. That was me was, you know, let's, I got mates and they were all, you know, big and tattered up and, you know, if a fight went down, we got behind them. Um, but I don't say that. I remember one infamous fight 
it must have been it's towards the end I was 16 and it was just a straight up street ball and um, the, we were, it was with a uh, rival gang, the Crips, who were sort of the, the Bloods and the Crips, even in New Zealand. Okay. The Crips were primarily Tongan as well. There was an added layer here. So we were in a version of the Bloods called the RSB, Respect Samoan Bloods. And there was the Tongan Crips. Uh, and it was in Lower Hut where I was growing up, in the main street, about one o'clock in the morning. And we just got like, we, and we bumped into each other. It wasn't a set fight. We bumped into each other. People were talking smack. And then one of the Crips, punched my mate Craig, knocked him down. And, uh, and then uh, one of my other boys, Chris, he just sprinted off. And it was really fun. He was the tallest one for us. He was a rugby player. And he just like saw Craig hit the ground and he just ran off. And the rest of us kind of looked at each other and I went, oh well, here we go. <laughs> and just ended up like, and it didn't last that long. Because you know, he's just throwing punches and that. Um, and then one of them ran off and then we chased after him and it just turned into running around the streets for about half an hour and then we went oh yeah Craig's unconscious on the ground we should definitely go and get him so we just went and picked him up and went but it's that uh, I think what would be important for your listeners to understand is that New Zealand gang violence is it's a different beast I think in my experience of other gangs and that there is extreme moments of violence, but it's never le- pro- prolonged. Okay. Uh, there's, there's main gangs are against each other, but if you have prolonged violence, the government will get involved because it's a small enough country okay. that the police come, the gangs come. So there were pockets, but there was never any massive thing. Where do civilians fit in in terms of violence? Are they people who just get caught up in it by accident or are gangs more concerned with other gangs? Gangs more concerned with other gangs. Often, when there's a civilian death, um, it's often a kid, which really sucks, because the gang will be trying to take out another gang member. And they'll, they might get him, but they might get his family, because it's with his family. And that's often what's brought the news attention. Sure. Um, and, but also, strangely, that's often what's brought moments of con- reconciliation. Because of our gun laws, um, because of the history of the gangs, it's very rare that civilians will get caught up. One major factor that became an issue was meth, okay. crystal meth. Right, yeah. Um, we call it P in New Zealand. Okay. Methamphetamine. Right. It's <laughs> a New Zealand accent. Right. Fetamine, oh, it's, P, uh, it's the P drug. Oh, P. So it became known as P, and it was an academic, uh, epidemic. Um, because we didn't really know what it was when it came in. It's a lot of home-cooked heroin in the 1980s. Right, okay. A lot of home-baked, that was a big thing. But when P came in, it sort of just spread through real quick. I'd left by this stage, so I was very lucky, but I watched a few friends just lose it. They lost everything. Um, Because it just kind of chewed them up and spat them out. And, uh, of course, what does crystal meth do? It increases aggression. So you would have these moments of psychotic violence just pop up occasionally and go, what the fuck was that? And then you like, do come back and go, oh, right, there's Pete. And then, then I remember, you know, you got to cook it. You've seen Breaking Bad. you got yeah, to cook, I've seen right? Breaking Bad, yeah. Well, I mean, that's all well and good when you've got a high school chemistry teacher. When you've got a couple of dipshit gang members, you couldn't pass intermediate science. Cooking up. One of the most famous incidents was um, in Christchurch. Uh, it's one of our major cities. 
and a gang called the Munkle Mob, their gang base blew up. And that sort of was um, a big stalling point for the Munkle Mob's development in that city. Yeah, it must have been. Um, and the police did not investigate it very far because they kind of went, oh yeah, your P-Lab blew up in your gang house. And they burned it down. Wow. So it's like self-inflicted. Were the other gangs laughing at that? Is that Absolutely. Because they must be. I mean, because they can't just always be fighting. I'm sure, do, do, do people mock each other? Yeah. In different gangs? And also, New Zealand is small. So often you got relatives in different gangs. How does that work? That, that seems so strange. Yes and no. I liken it to church. In some ways, you can, because people go to gangs and people go to church for similar reasons. Empowerment, a sense of family. So sometimes your religion, uh, your beliefs, might see you come up against a family member with similar religion and similar beliefs. So you got to find a way to decide very quickly, are they a family member or are they a rival gang member? Because you're going to be at the same barbecue. Wow. Okay. And, if, and if auntie sees you two kick off, she's going to kick both your ass. So what we, what we often have now... Uh, if there's group meetings, like if there's meeting, because you know, uh, and then with local uh, iwi, our tribes, our Maori tribes, you got to have you know, Maori dem is bigger than gang dem in a lot of places. Okay, yes. So often they'll go, all right, got a cloak check, check in your patch when you come onto the land. When you leave the land, you can pick up your patch, the cloak check. Now, now picture that, picture right up. Or come up in your car, stop the car, park the car, get out, smoke's coming up, high as fuck. Get to the gate, take off your gang vest, put your bandana in your pocket, get in, get a little tag, go into the land. Wow. You gotta find a way to make it work. We're too small a country to have things explode. Of course. What I wanna ask actually, mm. At the age between 13 and 16, you're a junior member of a gang, essentially. Mm -hmm. This is very personal. Mm -hmm. What was more important to you, your family or the gang at that point? Well, my family was absent. So that's part of why I was in the gang. Right. My father had taken a job, still with an increased status. My family is quite well known as a church family back home. My father had taken a job in Fiji. So it was just me and my mum. I was living with my mum, uh, which again was handy because my mom often worked late, was often at international conferences. So my garage could become quite a safe spot. And we lived in an affluent uh, neighborhood, uh, one's place. We lived in a poor house. We were, sometimes, you know, you all know this, sometimes there's a poor house in an affluent neighborhood. We just happened to be the poor house in the affluent neighborhood. So people, you know, some of the guys would come up, and some of the boys, when their house wasn't safe, because their parents are gang members, They'd come and stay over, and there's, there's nothing abnormal about that. There's nothing about a schoolmate coming to stay at your house. Okay. Uh, because, you know, things are kicking off at theirs. And my mom, she's, she's hipper than she, she let on. We, we've talked about this as adults. And, you know, and she, she was wise enough to know. And I think her whole vibe was just minimalizing damage and minimalizing my involvement. Sure. Um, so when I look back at that stuff, you know, they're like, you ask me what's more important, gun to head, my family, but my family wasn't there. Okay, sure. Yeah, thank you for answering that. It's not an easy no, question no, no. to answer. No, 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 no. But I know, I know what you mean, though, and I can't tell you that if I'd stayed in the gang, 
Yeah. If the gang and and, and point, uh, we'll get to this, but the gang kicked me out. Yes. And if I if I if I hadn't stayed in the gang, that I wouldn't have got to that mentality. Yes, of course, a- absolutely. And, I, and I'm trying to remember what I was like between the age of 13 and 16, and I don't think I was gang material myself. But, <laughs> but obviously, you want you want to belong, right? That yeah. means you want to belong. Yeah. How hard is it? Though? At what point did you realise? I don't really belong or did you never admit that to yourself or did the gang have to admit it to you oh the gang admitted it to me I'm very lucky my friend Jermaine um, who did spend some time in jail later on he be sore and to be honest you know it's a, it's a bit like Lance Armstrong you know once the once the lie was exposed yeah everyone went yeah that makes way more sense once Jermaine was like James you this ain't this ain't you everyone kind of went yeah James this really isn't you that. Were they nice about it? Yeah, right, but firm. Okay. It was an ostr- ostracization. Right. Right. Did it hurt? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I still saw a few of the boys at school because a few of the boys went to my school. Yeah. But they were also like firmly, don't tell James what's up, right? And the message was delivered very firm and very. I think I look back and I go very fair, flat. Hey. Someone's got to get out of here. Yeah. Someone's got to go to university. Only seven boys from my high school, from my year group, went to university. Uh, from a class of 40. From a junior class of 120. Uh, that's just where we come from. Um, and the boys, like my dad's smart. Uh, he's a minister, but he's got a PhD. He's a renowned theologian. And my mother like, is a librarian, but she became like a manager when we were on our own of a, uh, in, in, in local government. So the boys knew that I could get out. And I think for them, it was almost insulting for me to be there. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, of course you know? it does. Yeah. It's like Kanye West hanging out with like actual thugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, Kanye West is in the Wu-Tang Clan. Someone's gonna go, hey bro, are you meant to, I don't think this is you. I think you're meant to be with Kim Kardashian in LA. What, what was the progression going to be? I don't want you to talk about hmm. you know, sort of criminal activity as such, but no, no. is that where it headed? It's, yeah, it's escalation um, and initiation. I think that's the important thing. So the gang I was in was the Bloods. And they, like I said, Samoan version of the gang, the RSB, respect Samoan Bloods. Now that leads, it used to lead into another gang, um, Actually, no, I've got, my, I've got my history around the wrong way. It, it led into our biggest gang, the Mongol Mob. But now it leads into another Samoan gang called the King Cobras, because the King Cobras have taken over that particular patch. Um, escalation in terms of uh, the jobs that you're doing for the gang. Uh, and, of course, getting patched, which uh, will involve getting tatted. Now, the tats of the Mongol Mob as I speak about in several shows, are very extreme because their tats involve Nazi symbolism. Yeah. Uh, or bulldogs, neither of which is an appealing tattoo for me. No, absolutely. Um, tats for the King Cobras are a bit better. It's just, it's just a cobra. Like, it, looks like, it looks like you're in the Cobra Kai dojo from the Karate Kid. But that, hey, that, that's my gang. That's all right, man. That's yeah. all right, right? Um, so, but Matt also, you know, you, with, with gang power comes gang responsibility. So, that, and that's how a couple of my mates ended up in jail. And I've, I look back and I think I'm very lucky that I had those friends because they've helped inform my conversations 
on like social justice like when I did a show on gangs of New Zealand you know talking with them I realized I had to talk about prison statistics I had to talk about um, I'll never be pretentious enough to do a show about what prison life is like but they've spoken to me about it in very soft tones because they were like early 20s when they went to prison they didn't serve long terms but they weren't there enough to go no are you still friends with these guys? I mean, could, could you go and have dinner with them now if you wanted to, if you were back I home? mean, I, I do occasionally have dinner with them. Is it nice? Yeah. They think it's, I mean, like, they think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, like, and people always go, oh, what if the gangs find out about you? But the gangs do. Like, I've performed to gang I've, I've gone to small towns in New Zealand and performed to them. Because, no one, like, my story is ridiculous. Like, no one, like, you know, it's, it's nice to podcast with you and, and, and share this information, but I don't feel like I'm sharing information about myself. I feel like I'm just sharing information about the New Zealand scene to a degree. And also, I don't think anyone's coming to me, like, for a way to solve gang crime. No. Like, no one's going, I need a deeper knowledge of the mongrel mob. I'll go to change the keys, like, you know, there's, and also New Zealand's come a long way in that there have been studies, there have been interviews, there were genuine patched members who are doing now criminology oh, thesis sure. yeah. on this stuff, and that's, and that's great, and my, my path and, and my knowledge and the way I talk about it is just like a more, a light entertainment of way of it. Are there any, do you know of any other junior gang members who were told the same thing, look, this isn't for you? And have you ever thought, and I'm not being flippant, you could start up your own gang? <laughs> I know one, uh, and I won't, I won't name him because he, it's, I, I haven't talked to him about it, but I know one, and I know he works in the arts. Because oh, wow, we have hooked up, like, and just been like, it, it was real funny because we, we had no knowledge of each other. We were at uh, a group arts thing, and there were just certain things and we just kind of looked at each other around certain conversations that were being held and then just out the back I was like we're just having a beer and had a conversation and then suddenly put two and two together and, like, and we, weren't in, we weren't in the same gangs at all we were in different gangs but a very similar pathway of funnily enough not just getting out but ending up in the arts wow that, that, that is funny isn't it but he's way more street than me which is like he's He's yeah. still like my my accents become much more rounded, my language much more rounded because I'm much more of an international traveller. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he still sounds like he's from where he's from, but you know he works in the arts. And you, you say about meeting other sort of uh, other gangs, your knowledge. Have you met other gangs and told them your story? Because I'd love to know what yeah. gang would think of that. It, no, it's very it's real funny because you have to also remember I'm talking about a junior gang member yes. experience. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the old guys they think it's real hilarious. Because they recognise the young dickhead, and that's why I always say, I say, "Young dickheads are the same all over." And they go, "Yep," you know, like you know. And you'll get people. I've had people come up in Edinburgh, you know, and they've had some affiliation with something, and they've gone, "Yeah, I know those young dickheads," because no one, if you think about it, no one wants really the young idiotic dickhead to get through. Right. Like there's two types of people I think who are kicked out young. People like me, who they go, "You shouldn't be here because you're." You're like Sean Penn and Scarface. You really shouldn't be in Were this lifestyle. Were you just too nice? I mean, what, what was it? What no, oh, no, no, no. As you, you ask people back then, I have a temper. Oh, I had oh, a big yeah. temper. Oh, yeah. Um, no. no, I'm not underestimating you, but it's more mm. because, because obviously... Yeah. Well, you tried to stick me on <laughs> my <laughs> character. I, that's what I mean. You're saying in character. But, I, but outside of that, of course. I mean, you know, you're a bloke. You're going to be, right? 
I, but it's but, just I find it interesting to know what it was. You know, that, as pathways. Yeah. It was my friend seeing that I could cut a different pathway. And you've got to remember, this is the 90s, this is New Zealand. There weren't that many. Yeah. There were not that many people from where we're from cutting a pathway out. You know? I mean, when I started stand-up comedy, I was one of five Pacific Islanders. Yeah. Like eight worldwide doing stand-up comedy. That's how far back I go with the arts. And that's, so mid-late 90s, you know, you're an all-black, you're a gang member, you're in the military. Yeah. You know, there's very, very few. The Flight of the Concords and Taika Waititi are an anomaly. Right. Like, but thankfully, they are now much more at the forefront of what is becoming the norm as we become more comfortable expressing ourselves and realize that all these brothers tagging, you know, it's, it's the way the society views them as well. You know, tagging was a crime back then. Yeah. Now we talk about street art, you know. Yeah. Hip-hop, rapping, that was something that thugs did, you know. Now it's, you know, number two on the charts constantly, and New Zealand rap as well. Yeah. So the culture itself is not as menacing, it's not as, uh, people are not as fearful of it. You know, we got, a, we got evangelist churches in New Zealand who are rocking up and they've got their own patches because they're gang members for the Lord. Wow, gang members for the Lord. <laughs> you know? Like, that's, and that's what I'm saying is that, like, as with, as with all things that come to New Zealand, we have taken something from outside our culture, and we have subverted it and made it into something that's ours. And to other pieces, it might seem slightly ridiculous, but that is because we've adjusted it to work within, uh, you know, our society. Absolutely. And you were telling about the, the Mongol mob having a swastika as an emblem. Now, mm. that has completely different meaning, doesn't it? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's still a swastika. But oh, yes. the, the Mongol mob... So, the Mongol mob were a group of lads arrested in the 1970s, just north of where I lived. Okay. Um, and they were brought before the judge, and they didn't have a name at that point. They were just, like, a posse. Okay. And the judge went, you lot are a pack of mongrels. And they, oh, went, wow. and they went, mongrels, yeah. And they called themselves the mongrel mob. Now they hated the British, because the British was the man. I mean like in a black exploitation film, the man. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So they were like, all right, the British suck. So we're going to take, what, what does the British love? What's their big thing? You know, what, um, Britannia, Britpop, the bulldog, Winston Churchill. Yeah, everyone, he's the hero. We're going to take the symbol of the bulldog. What do they hate? Nazis. They hate Nazis. So we're going to dress up the bulldog in Nazi stuff. Wow. And that became their symbol as the biggest fuck you to the English people in charge possible. And it's ridiculous. So now, and this is why I always point out, they don't really know what the Nazis were. Because yeah. there weren't no Maori and Pacific Island Nazis running around in the World no. War II. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think Hitler would have been a fan, to be honest. No. In many ways, it's brilliant because they've culturally appropriated. <laughs> of course, they have. Yeah. But, but so that became their thing was, and they and they took the language, but they didn't. You know, they they weren't aware of the Holocaust. That wasn't. You know, yeah. they weren't they weren't educated about. There's not. There wasn't, and still not a massive Jewish population in New Zealand. Funnily enough, as the Jewish population has increased, you know, and the Mongol mob has interacted with Jewish people, yeah. who they get on absolutely fine with, yeah. they've been educated, 
And now, just in the past year, they've started to get rid of all the Nazi symbols. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's taken 40 years, mate. But they've yeah. finally gone, oh, wait a second. Right. So now they're getting the tattoo. And it's funny because you see them getting the tattoos covered up. Uh, and they, they're also, they started as a, and I always say this about our gangs, they started as a social response. You know, they weren't empowered. They didn't have a family, but they had each other. And they became, you know, they started, and then they became this bigger organization. Then the drugs came in, and then they, you know, there's all this. But that's not who the original founding members wanted to be. They wanted to be a big middle finger to English society. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and they're old now, the ones who are still alive. And so they've got this thing called Hale's Kitchen, which is a Facebook cooking page. Amazing. For healthy cooking. Now, it's a private group, but you can definitely join because there's 107,000 members. And it's just people Facebook living in healthy cooking recipes um, because they're all older and some of them have got gout. And they, you know, and their model is, mate, their motto is because they don't like the drugs, cook your food, not your brain. Incredible. So they don't want the meth, mate. They don't want the meth in there. I'm going to steal that for the title of, the, of this particular episode, Cook Your Food, <laughs> Not Your Brain, if, if you don't mind. Man, just don't, just don't get me sued by the mongrel mob for copyright infringement. There's <laughs> nothing gangster about getting a copyright lawsuit. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll be very polite. If they get in contact and say, look, this is inappropriate, of course, I'll... Uh... I love it that after all the TV appearances I've done talking about them and making fun... It was the Hale's Kitchen on the podcast that finally broke the camel's back. That's amazing. <laughs> I hope they do a carrot cake recipe. That's extraordinary. Uh, they, they very possibly do. Like, I'll give you an invite to it so you can see it. It is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And it's gang members, former gang members. No, we're talking about boys. And they're all still, you know, still in, economically in the ditch. So you get people from state housing. And they're just setting up a, a little camera. Mm-hmm. You know? And they go, well, oh, seek Hale, find him. Or, um, or, you know, oh, sorry, that's offensive. Uh, uh, SFH. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, Fano is a uh, Maori for family. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so they go, oh, CKL Fano, CKL family. Hello, Mungle Mob family. Uh, today's, uh, we're going to be looking at steaming broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check this out. I'm going to put the you know, links to this. You know, it's like, or, or you get like, a, a, apologies, apologies. Like, look, I'm putting this up here uh, so that I can have witnesses. Um, it's been a hard day. It's been a long weekend. I'm having some McDonald's, right? I'm not proud. I'm not proud, family. I appreciate your support. I appreciate your support. I know, and you get people, and because it's Facebook Live, people are going, it's all right, man, you're allowed to cheat day. That's amazing. Like, it's the most, and like, and like I say, it's just this thing of, it is. it feels very New Zealand. Yeah. To have all these gang members coming in, and they're all, you know, shades on, and, and they're like, hey, don't remember if you're playing music in the background, right, just put, uh, I do not own the rights to this music, so you don't get a Facebook lawsuit. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. <laughs> so it's that. I mean, you—they sound like really nice people. I mean, like my auntie will tell you so. My auntie is a minister, and she tells a story about back in the nineties. Her car broke down. She's a Samoan minister. She got a two Samoan kids, and um, and no one would stop because you know that's just New Zealand race relations. They saw a broken down car. They saw a brown woman with two kids. It seems like a lot of trouble. The Mongol mob showed up. A Samoan woman. These were Maori brothers. And they went, what's wrong, auntie? She's going, my car's broken. I said, jump in the car. Hey, a couple of you boys, jump in the boot. Let the lady and the kids have a seat. <laughs> a couple of boys jump on the boot. Her and the kids are in the back seat. Mungle mob drove them into town to the petrol station. Petrol station's freaking out. This lady and two kids probably like, oh, our car's broken down just down the road. Wow. Uh, that's, I mean, that's almost a, a biblical 
of course tale, isn't it? You know. Wonderful. <laughs> and, and speaking of the Bible, obviously now, as as a grown man, mm. you know, you'll know your parents as yeah, people yeah. as well. Do they laugh about it as well? Do they can they can they look at it and go, oh, James? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, we've had some we've had some talks about a lot of that stuff. Often they find out parts about my life from my shows. But yeah, I think they they go, well, at least you're safe now, and at least, yeah. and they and they sort of understand that like things were very complicated yeah, through like through childhood and that. Well, growing up is complicated. It's quite difficult. I'm surprised anybody ever makes it. Well, it's very funny for my mother because, you know, she still lives back in New Zealand and occasionally she's walking down the street. Now, she's a five-foot-two Welsh woman. Oh, wow, yeah. And occasionally she'll be walking down the main street of Wellington. There'll be some big motherfucker. Yeah. And he'll walk towards her and go, Hey, James, Mum. <laughs> that's, that's what they always called her. But then they never knew her name. James, mum. Hello. And people are like, oh, shit, this gang member's about to mug this old lady. Oh, so good to see. And they get down and they give her a little hug. And, she, and, she, and she's put two and two together. She realizes that she, like, you know, accidentally, but would, would have willingly, because she loved the boys. You know, in case they'd stay and help paint the fence and thing. She now realizes that she gave a bit of a safe space for some boys and was able to do that. And so she's got a little bit of pride in saying she helped out. You know, without realizing, but yeah, they were too. Of course, and and of course, she has she has their by the sounds of it has mm. their genuine respect as well, and that's not yeah. easy. Now I don't want any listeners to, to take away that these are all misunderstood angels walking around. No, no. Still a lot of violence. Sure. Still a lot of drugs. Yeah. Still a lot of problems. Sure. Uh, the only reason I always offer these stories is that I think sometimes we forget to see people three dimensionally. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely mm. agree. And and. And I can sit here for hours talking to you, but we got stuff to do. But wow, what a fascinating insight, mate. I really appreciate it. That is, that's going to be excellent. Well, cheers, mate. So thank, thank you very much indeed. As always, thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate your support. I have my website now, www.conversationswithcriminals.com. I'm sticking with at Matt Price Comedy for Twitter if you want to follow me or tweet me. And thanks for any comments that you leave on iTunes. They're always greatly appreciated. I will be back with more conversations and I will really look forward to speaking to you soon. Bye for now.